Welcome to Queering Little Women, a podcast about Joe March, a trans man trying to make it in the 1860s as a writer. This is episode four, chapter four, Burdens. Welcome to Queering Little Women, episode four, chapter four. I'm Maggie. And I'm Joe, And this is Burdens. In this chapter, everyone is grumpy after the holidays. The big kids go to work, Beth stays home, and Amy goes to school. At the end of the day, they sew and talk it over. Marmy gives them moralizing stories, and all is well. Great summary, Maggie. <laughs> Are you ready to queer little women? Let's, let's queer this up. Let's did you notice, Joe, how many times the word queer appeared in today's reading? I did, and I was going to like highlight it or read a quote, but I thought maybe it was a cheap shot. So Yeah, I want to be honest with you that I did write them down. You did. But... You want to read them now? Please do. <laughs> um, but I agree with you that it's kind of a cheap shot because that word just had a it different, had different meaning, meaning at that time. Yeah. Although it's nice to know that, you know, Lou was using that word just because queer, we're, we're queering it, it now. Queer it up. Um, I'll just read them if they come up. I don't... Okay, great. So let's see. What... Sh- how... Oh, 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 I found one. Sorry. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> I had a queer time with Ant today. <laughs> Yep, she probably did. Or he probably did, depending on who that was, was talking. Joe. That was yeah, Joe. So he probably He's did. He's a boy. Right. Um, okay, so let's talk about Meg in Ooh. this chapter. I thought there was a My l- favorite character. Yep. Uh, my third favorite. <laughs> Fine. Yeah. <laughs> of the sisters, actually. I guess I'd have to think more if I like Laurie or some of the other characters no. more. Anyway. Anyway. I have some quotes from Meg that I thought we should discuss. Let's get into it. So here's one. Um, Where's the use of looking nice when no one sees me but those cross-eyed midgets? We can discuss the use of that word later. And no one cares whether I'm pretty or not. I shall have to toil and moil all my days with only little bits of fun now and then and get old and ugly and sour because I'm poor and can't enjoy my life as (laughs) other girls do. It's a shame. Meg's laying it on pretty thick. Well, certainly. But also I think... You know, her focus on on needing to be looked at. Is well, that what her you're focus about? on needing to be val out externally validated. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, it's like, which is maybe a commentary on women at that time needing to feel like they were only they were only worth something if mm-hmm. someone else says that they're worth something. Otherwise, mm-hmm. they're just gonna become ugly and sour and poor, and they can't enjoy their life. And they can't enjoy their life. Right. I mean, it's interesting, though, because I think it's about, um, it's really about her desire to be, like, elegant and pretty and be valued for that, I think. Because she is, like, she does have value in that she works and earns money, you know? Like, like she is getting external validation but she says, in some way from having this job. Where's the use of looking nice when no one sees me? Right, but that so so. But those cross-eyed midgets, meaning the children that she yeah, works which for. are she means children. She, she means does not mean small small people, people or small adult little people. people, little people. Correct us if we're wrong. Thank you. Write in, readers. Yeah. Write to uh, queeringlittlewomen at gmail.com. Queeringlittlewomen yeah, at gmail.com. But what I'm saying is, I think probably a lot of women feel that way now, or a lot of people feel that oh, way now. Oh, I feel that way all right? the time. I feel like I have to battle it, you know? It's like, like that, like I'm not good enough unless someone else loves me. Mm-hmm. You know? I guess, yeah. And but I think, where did that come from? Because I feel like it's rooted in sexism. Mm-hmm. I feel that. I feel that. Yeah. I guess I'm, I'm just noticing the thing about, about her looks, and you're making it broader, which is maybe really there. 
but I'm thinking about I'm just like another I think it feels really different when you're not when you know that you are only gonna hang out with the people that you always hang out with like how right now my hair is like this magical amazing nest squirrel's nest if you squirrel's nest we're having this is squirrel day on Queer Little Women (laughs) because it turns out that I fucking hate squirrels (laughs) and I think they rule the world they do a little bit so anyway um, <laughs> sorry. Here's another quote that I have down from, from Meg, Meg yeah. that I thought was just sort of notable and funny. That she says, "Beth, if you don't keep those horrid cats down I'll in the have cellar, them I'll drowned. I know. <laughs> oh my god. There are a lot of things wow. in this chapter that I just wrote down. What the fuck for? <laughs> yeah. I wrote, "What the fuck? Don't drown Beth's cats. Yeah, I'll have them drowned. Yep." Yep. Also about Meg, I want to say um, she does the fucking thing again where she's like, it's like other people you know, meaning like all the luxury that she wants in her life. Yeah, I have that. It says, as she said, she was fond of luxury and her chief trouble was poverty. Mm-hmm. That was her chief trouble is poverty. <laughs> but I was thinking, and I've been annoyed about that in this book, but I was thinking about real life. I think people are like that. People compare themselves up more mean- than down people that are in poverty compare themselves up no people that are not in poverty people have this skewed impression and like people that are middle class think that they're like there's always like those rich people over there you know what i mean sure i feel like i know a lot of people who are like well yeah i grew up in like this fancy suburb but i always felt like the poor kid in the fancy suburb you know yeah because comparatively you're always comparing yourself to someone who has more than you exactly there's always going to be someone who has more than you unless you're You're like literally bill gates Right. Which I don't know what the fuck he thinks. No, I actually think the Walmart people are richer than him. Oh, yeah? But I don't know. I'd have to go to Forbes or Google or whatever. Let's, let's not, not. It'll just depress me. Anyway. Um, yeah, Meg tries to drown Meg's cat. Oh, oh, the other well, thing, she though. she threatens to drown them. She the doesn't say. Other thing. <laughs> is it time to talk about Joe's gender yet, or do we have to wait for that? Uh, we can hop around, whatever. So... After Joe, after Meg goes into the that whole speech at the beginning about um, the luxury that she wants to have in her life, mm-hmm. then um, when they're out walking to their jobs together, Joe and Meg, Joe wants to provide for Meg. Oh, yeah. Right? He says, just wait till I make my fortune and you shall revel in carriages and ice cream and high-heeled slippers and posies and red-headed boys to dance with. <laughs> That's because he didn't want to dance with that redheaded boy in the last chapter. No, but Meg did. Meg, oh, Meg I mean, danced with the red, but Joe he hid from the redheaded boy. Oh, really? And then yeah, and then he went and was talking to Lori. Oh, okay, right. I think that redheaded boy may have been Mr. Brook. Mr. Brook, Lori's tutor. It's not clear. More of a man than a boy. But um, <laughs> but yeah. So I'm interested in that. That Joe yeah. sees his role in the family as this provider and and sort of like oh. wants to indulge Meg in. In yeah. her luxurious ideas. For sure. And that's real in Lou's life as well. Mm-hmm. That, like, right. Lou did a lot of work to be the breadwinner mm-hmm. and um, took care of the, the Alcott family, particularly Bronson, who never really made Because right, Bronson couldn't really earn money or no, wasn't doing that. Abigail was the breadwinner for 1840s and 50s in their family. Which is basically why they didn't have a lot of money, right? Is probably is because right. you couldn't make a lot of money being a and, woman. Well, maybe. Yeah. I think that the whole part about the March family being poor versus the Alcott family being poor. I think the Alcott family was, was actually, actually poor, much right. more poor than right. the um, the March family is portrayed as, which is probably Lou's attempt at you know sort of putting a putting a bow it, on like, it, making yeah. it nicer, yeah. yeah, making more palatable, yeah, palatable. Yeah, I think. 
Speaking of palettes, I want to acknowledge that I'm eating peas right now. Yeah. Grown in the garden. Grown in my garden. Um, okay, so one more thing on Meg. Yeah, sorry. I have another quote from her or uh, on her about her that says, uh, she tried not to be envious or discontented, but it mm. was very natural that that the young girl should long for pretty things, gay friends, natural accomplishments, gay. and a happy life. I know the gay friends things feels like a cheap shot, but it was part of the whole quote. So anyway, <laughs> so but yeah, it was natural for the young natural. girl should long for pretty things, and I was just thinking about Lou writing that mm. and and how Lou really uses Joe as a character to sort of like say and personify probably a lot of the things that Lou felt right, like right. Um, Lou couldn't in mm-hmm. their real life yeah. and that you know but is at the same time sort of perpetuating those stereotypes of what is expected of women at that time right. and that like of course girls want pretty things mm. and um yeah and long for gay friends which is you know whatever. I've noticed that actually a bunch um in in the second half of little women I feel like there's a lot more talk about like the womanly instinct the woman mm. like there's a lot of this like this is what women are like. Yeah. And I wonder if there was pressure for the second right. part of the book for Lou to include more of that. Or if, like, that's, like, some kind of passing thing, you know, of being, like... So, like, I'm cisgender. And sometimes I feel like trans people that I know are, like, way more tuned in to what the rules are about gender. Mm-hmm. You know? Because they have to be to survive. Yeah. In a way that, like, I'm just sort of, like, I do my own thing and it's close enough to the thing you're supposed to do that no one comes after me. Yeah. But that people who have to have have in their life had to, like, try to fit into that box for survival are, like, really tuned in to, like, no, that, those cargo pants are women's cargo pants and those cargo pants are men's cargo pants or whatever. Right. Well, and I'm, I identify as genderqueer and I maybe notice more about gender than you do. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um but I think that I, there are a lot, I don't feel like trans people get like a pass that like all trans people are like super aware no, no. of whatever, no, 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 no. something like that. Because I do think that there is definitely degrees of understanding that. And I feel like there's, sure. there's nuanced things about like sexism that mm-hmm. I feel like I'm constantly discovering every day that I'm like, oh, this is because of sexism. Right. This is because of sexism. Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> that this exists. Right. Or that this is happening, or and whatever. that Lou is is falling into that, and and right and, is a victim of that, just like all of us. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So remember, we talked about whether this book is too Christian or not Christian enough. Yeah. Have you been reading Pilgrim's Progress? Not yet, but I'm gonna. Okay. I'll be I'll be good. So in the the first sentence of Chapter Four, Burdens, Meg says, "Oh dear, how hard it does seem to take up our packs and go on." Side Meg, the morning after the party. Four. Now the holidays were over. The week of merrymaking did not fit her for going on easily with the task she never liked. I noticed that they say the holidays and that people have this whole thing about not describing the Christmas season as the holidays, Mm. as though that's like this new innovation and isn't it terrible to consider people that aren't Christian? Yeah. But this book is from the fucking 1860s Hmm. and says the holidays. Mm. That's all. Yeah. So I just wrote War on Christmas. The War on Christmas goes back farther than you thought (laughs) previously. Um, okay. What else do we have to say? Should we do it child by child, sister by sister? Oh, sure. So you really want to talk about the doll hospital. Um, I'm not the one who texted (laughs) the other podcast co-host with chapter four doll hospital in all caps. 
So I don't know why I'm putting this on me. And one of my notes is just doll hospital in caps underlined. Oh look. Um, oh look. I also have doll hospital in caps in my notes. Um, so Beth and then wait, sorry. Followed by so so the thing in the story is that Beth has all these invalid dolls, is what I think what they're called. Right. And they are in this is a quote from the book. Passed to her because Amy would have nothing old or ugly. Which my notes read, fuck Amy. <laughs> fuck Amy, I love my teddy bear. Yeah. That's oh, yeah. I have just a couple quotes that I wrote down about Beth slash the doll yes. hospital. Yes. Um, there are many Beths in the world. <gasps> Shy and quiet, sitting in corners till needed, needed and living for others cheerfully. But no one sees the sacrifice oh. till the little cricket on the hearth stops chirping and the sweet... Sunshiny presence vanishes, leaving silence and shadow behind. Oh my god! When I read that, I was like, Whoa! I know, I know, I know. Having such a reaction. I mean, obviously, Lou is foreshadowing, foreshadowing that Beth is going to die. Sorry, spoiler. And I just, I mean, when I read this passage, I thought, like, I couldn't help but think, especially since I identify as Joe, as mm-hmm. like the people who are Beth in my life. Whoa. And, like, Shit. the people who are, like, the shy, quiet, sitting in the corners, like, living for others cheerfully, you know, sacrificing, yeah. you know, like, mm-hmm. those people in my life that, like, make life awesome and worth continuing and keep me going yeah. and all that stuff. So, I don't know. I just, that's why I just love and cherish Beth love so to much. All the Beths. Yeah. Because there are many Beths in the world. I know. And... They are so, I think they are so undervalued and underappreciated, those Beths. Oh, Beth. I love her. I don't know if I, I, maybe I undervalue my Beth so much that I don't even know I have Beth. Maybe. You're too busy worrying about pretty things? Yeah, I'm just like, (laughs) oh, let me have more dresses. No, I don't need them. No one's looking at me anymore. And you're gay friends. Uh, I do, I do think it's quite natural for me to want gay friends. So the other thing that I know, of course, the other thing that I noticed about, about Beth here was the, um, the quote that says, Beth has her troubles as well, not being an angel, but a very human little girl. I know. Girl. And what I, was that about? I think it's because Lou was so certain that in that portrayal of Beth that, that they were writing, that mm. they were painting Beth well, as, I have, as I have perfection. thought that they were. I've been kind of rolling my eyes at the Beth stuff this yeah. whole time. It's, I mean, it's so sort of like trumped up about how perfect how, Beth is. How like incredibly sweet that and this kind. is Lou trying to like humanize Beth, you know, even though Beth, Beth is super sweet and lovely and wonderful. And then, but also I thought that it was cute that this line came after the whole stuff about the doll hospital. So it's just like, you're, you're like, okay, so Beth is very, and you're supposed to find the doll hospital sort of endearing. And, yeah, yeah. and I do find it endearing at the same time that I find it sort of wacky yeah. and a little maybe off. No, like uh-huh. I feel like maybe because you were saying in a previous episode about how Beth is so drawn in that she's afraid of other people. Oh yeah, and that like that. Well, maybe... for example, I have a quote. Uh, yeah, where is it? Beth was too bashful to go to school. It had been tried, but she suffered so much that it was given up. Right, right. Like that's very bashful. Right, right. And so, is there, you know, is that is it good that they gave up to sending Beth to school, or 
I see I when know. I read that I kind of felt I felt sweet about their family that like they would that they were sort of gentle with their kids you know yeah sure I mean people play with dolls I played I if you knew the kinds of things well okay this is a question I had thinking about the dolls I noticed that that Lou says something about how Beth never did anything bad to them like no pins were ever stuck in their cotton innards and you know, I don't remember that, but I oh yeah, you. and so that means Amy did, well, <laughs> Joe <'cause>, did. Because <laughs> I was gonna say, did you play with dolls when you were a kid? I played, yeah, some dolls, yeah. And if so, did you ever torture them or do anything really twisted to them? Because I um, def, I definitely did that. You did. I did weird shit to my dolls. Yeah, and I think a lot of people do. I I would like didn't really understand sex as a child so what i would do was have them talking to each other and then i would just like put them in another room on top of each other and i would just be like they're doing you know they're like having their time now and then i would play with all the dolls until they were finished that's so cute you give them privacy I was just like, okay, and now that's happening. And that was, but I didn't really understand, like, like what, what was going on. Right, 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 right. But I don't remember, like, drawing on them. I definitely didn't cut their hair or anything like that. Well, cutting their hair is just, like, fun salon time. But we would play, like, Jerry Springer with Barbies. Me and my friend Oh, so Aaron. they would, like, hit each other? They would, yeah, they would, like, fight each other. They would have, like, all kinds of weird affairs and be cheating on each other with different ones. When we were, that was when we were, like... <laughs> older like getting to the oh, end mine would cheat dolls. on each other too there was like drama i would have i would make create drama but then when they were having sex they would just go but it would be down. like the, it would, like, it would take a nap sometimes oh. it would just get dark really fast like i remember oh. playing with poly pockets and like i have a poly pocket oh my god right now do you want to play I'm, poly I'm, pockets? I'm, i only have one poly though my friend bought it for me oh. shout out to heidi peterson she bought it for me um from a thrift store like when i was well into college <laughs> Cool. Yeah. Cool. Well, I was into Polly Pockets before they were cool. Well, I also have a Polly Pocket board when game. When they were cool. What? Yeah. You have all the weirdest, <laughs> like, tween girl board games. You're welcome. <laughs> Retroactively, I will say thank you <laughs> to justify that you're welcome. Anyway, we would torture our dolls. We would make them do weird sex stuff, not just, like, have sex quietly in a room with privacy, but, like... Our, I guess our idea of what kink would be. I don't know. We just made them do like weird. But did you sex do things to, to your dolls like like draw on them or like hurt them or? I didn't try to. Fiz- I mean, I did draw on them and and cut their hair and do weird shit to them. But it was usually not. That was usually because I thought they would like it. It would be like a cool new hairdo oh. or something. I never cut a Barbie's hair because I was afraid of the permanence of it. Because I yeah. always knew that if I cut their hair, then that I it wouldn't grow that back. it wouldn't grow back because they're yeah. a doll, and so I never did. Do you think some adult in your life really wanted to impress that on you, or do you think you were just like that was internally motivated? I think it was absolutely internally motivated. Oh, wow. I think that I could have cut off their hair, and no one probably would have cared that much. I definitely cut dolls' hair, and I was like, oh yeah, that doll doesn't look as good as it used to. That's okay. That's how I felt about it. Like, oh yeah, I'm not really as good at cutting hair as doll manufacturers, but I still feel okay about my life and huh. my dolls. Wow. Yeah. I had an American Girl doll, which are like, those are expensive. I just cut, cut her bangs shorter. And she yeah. had she looked really terrible. So I didn't care. <laughs> I thought you were going to say she looked really good. No, she looked really bad. Cause I wanted, and I gave her like a bob in the back. I wanted her to have short hair like me. I feel like maybe I had one of those too, but I can't remember. They were the ones that have the dignified names like Clarissa or Maggie. Um, thank you. That's yeah. so sweet. You're welcome. Um, their names were 
Felicity. Oh, Felicity, of course. Um, Speaking of Felicity, cutting hair. Addie, Kirsten is yeah. probably the one you're thinking of. Dignified. Samantha and Molly. Okay. Anything Back else on the women. Anything else about the doll hospital or about dolls? <laughs> I just wanted to say that I think it's a it shows Beth's character is, is impossibly sweet that she doesn't torture dolls because I think normal kids torture dolls. Okay. I I didn't I don't remember torturing my dolls, but you know I don't. You're different from me. I guess. Maybe that's why you like Beth so much, and I don't, because I'm secretly a bad person. Who's your second favorite character? Joe. Joe. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> okay. Um, let's talk about Amy. Let's. Oh my let's... gosh, this chapter should be subtitled "Amy is the Worst." Chasing Amy. Let's chase chase Amy. I actually didn't make too many notes about Amy, so why don't you go for it? Um, Amy doesn't like old stuff. Yep. Well, deal with it, Amy. You're the youngest child in a family of four. You're going to have some old stuff. Yeah, I was the youngest child in a family of four, and I got a lot Did of old Did you have stuff. old stuff? A lot of old stuff. Did you disdain it? Did you turn up your nose that you unreasonably thought was too flat? I don't think so. <laughs> well, that's what Amy did. Oh, the other thing about Amy, I felt bad for Amy because uh, she has this thing where she's, uh, Amy wailed because she couldn't remember how much 9 times 12 was, and I thought... I can't remember how much 9 times yeah, 12 is, Yeah, but they're not teaching you, but they're not teaching you problem solving in that school. If you're just like, I don't remember the answer to this math problem and I have no recourse except crying. <laughs> It's like, I feel like kids that go to school nowadays would be able to be like, oh, well, I could add it up. Or like, maybe if you went to a good school, you would have a way to figure out what 9 times 12 was uh-huh. instead of just like being in despair because you didn't memorize it. It's 108. <laughs> and I did not quite remember that. I'm usually pretty good at my multiplication tables, but that, you know, the 12s are hard. But you can just do 9 times 10 is 90 plus 9 times 2 is 18. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Let's do it piece by piece. Yeah. Break it down. So the one thing that I wrote down about Amy was the punishment for the other girl. What the fuck <laughs> is that? Okay, so the annotation explained it. Which So first just say what it is. So there was another girl in Amy's school that got punished for kicking up skirts, as it, which was a form of punishment that their, that they their would mother... Shorten, they would Im- shorten right. this kid's skirt. Right. In order to... Every time she was bad. And, and then she would have to go to school... With a with short this skirt. horribly short skirt. Yeah, and that was the punishment. And Amy, surprisingly, I mean, I guess not for the time, but... Was just like, oh, I couldn't stand the humiliation, or humiliation yeah. of that, you know. But it's like that's a punishment is to make your make your skirt shorter. Yeah, like what? He... I mean, I guess anything that makes you like not fashionable is pretty weird. But it, it seemed to me like if long skirts, if short skirts were like improper, you know, that it would be weird. Like, can you imagine being punished by just being like, you have to go to school naked, or like you have to go to school <laughs> topless? You have to go to school with your bush out. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that just seems like a really weird thing for parents to do to a child. Yeah, I don't. I agree. I um, I 100% agree. I think the annotation just explained that kicking up meant hiking up oh, or sure. whatever, but I can't find it right now. Okay. Oh, another thing about Amy sucking is... Um, yeah, please tell me more. 
uh, that one thing she does to her friends is say, when Papa was rich, we did so-and-so. Right. Barf. Right. No one cares. Well, and I have a note about that. It says, I felt very anxious about Father, and I thought how lonely and helpless we would be if anything ever happened to him. And I wrote, puke, not true. I think think that, first of all, their father is too old to be a soldier, so he goes as a chaplain. So dude's old. How much money is he really bringing in for the family? Mm. And if it's comparing to the Alcott family... As I already said, mm-hmm. Abigail was the one who was the breadwinner sure. for 20 years. Sure. You know, so why is Lou even putting that sexist bullshit out into the Well, because universe? Lou really loved their dad. Yeah, I know. Nah. So maybe they felt bad about making a book in which the dad was so completely useless. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Oh, another Amy quote is at the end of the chapter, Marmy is sort of telling them about this tells them this moralistic story about oh there were these four girls and uh-huh. yeah. they didn't think about their blessings they just complained too much and Amy says I don't complain near as much as the others do bullshit I just she mean comparatively to the her sisters yeah or to the other girls in her school I think she means I think she means compared to her siblings, but I don't know. Back to Amy in the school. Yeah. Um, so there's that scene where the other girl draws the, like, my eyes are upon you and the big nose of the mm-hmm, teacher or mm-hmm, whatever. Mm-hmm. In the 1949 version of Little Women, which oh, is my yeah. favorite version, they include that. <gasps> except for that instead of it being another girl, it actually happens to, to Amy. Amy. Sure. And it's Elizabeth Taylor. And she's in this little, like, bib dress. And she has to stand in front of the class with this ridiculous thing. <laughs> And so I had this, like, beautiful vision of Liz Taylor with these, like, ringlet curls in this, like, ridiculous sort of jumper. Um... So good, so good. That That's by far my favorite version of the film. Oh, do you want to talk about Aunt March? We're introduced to Aunt March in this chapter, I think. Sure. Joe reading the books and all of that. Yeah. Um. I thought it was funny that Aunt March was mad that she was not allowed to adopt one of their children. That's yeah. Like a pretty, that's a pretty big presumption. Yeah, but I actually, when I read that, what I thought was, well, she should have adopted Meg who needs all these pretty things. Right. And then Meg could have a life full of pretty things and feel good and get married to someone rich. Although, okay. speaking, or speaking as Meg. Uh-huh. Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> I don't think Meg actually needs all those pretty things. I think Meg struggles with that as her bosom enemy <laughs> of vanity. But... <laughs> That, in real life, what Meg needs is the love and support of her family. All right, sure, sure. And ultimately, Meg ends up being very happy without... I know, I know. Richard. So really, she should have adopted Amy. Spoiled little bitch. Okay, fair, fair <laughs> point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> should have adopted the child with no redeeming qualities. <laughs> Comma, Amy. I'm sorry. I don't even hate Amy. I'm sorry. If you love Amy, please... Please send us her attributes so we can consider them. What else was I going to say about Aunt March? I love that her and Joe have this sort of rapport. I know. I find it so it's sort of endearing that they're both sort of like crotchety or uh-huh. whatever. And that's why they get along. Yeah. It sort of reminds me of me and my bestie a little bit. Uh, <laughs> is your bestie super old? No, he's just crotchety. Okay. <laughs> I like that they describe Aunt March as the peppery old lady. Yeah. I think that's such a good adjective. Yeah, peppery. it's really good. We should start using it more. Yeah. Because okay. it's like, you like pepper. Pepper, it's nice. It spices things up. Totally. You know? I put pepper on lots of stuff. Um. Oh, oh, this is my other, my question. I'm doing, now I'm doing a thing when I take notes where I'm writing down questions for Joe, for you. Oh, for me. Great. Who, so questions we have talked Joe, before. Yeah. <laughs> 
can't ask questions of Joe March, but I, I mean, I could ask them, but he won't answer. We've talked before about your fantasy of doing like a TV show or movie that's like a modern day queer. I wanted to write a book, a or, book. or possibly a play. Pardon me, book or play. Mm-hmm. Forgive me. About like a, a modern day queer recasting, sort of like ripping on Little Women. Yes. And I want to know who you would see Aunt March as. Maybe your bestie. <laughs> Um, right, because some characters are easier to sort of pin down. I see Marmy as Kate Bornstein. Obviously. Obviously. And I see Joe as, like, some sort of badass trans man. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I'm not sure about Meg, I'm not sure about Amy. I don't know. Amy's mm-hmm. the hardest, probably. Aunt March? I don't know. Who would be Aunt March? I mean, maybe my bestie, Austin. But my, my goal in that project would be to write sort of the archetypes of each character right like sort of a queer archetype right and then sort of modify it so i mean i also think austin has a lot of beth type characteristics Mm -hmm. at least to me and in my relationship to me yeah i would love to have a queer beth right yeah right there are so many queer beths i know but i i feel like i would totally date a queer beth yeah call in uh queering little women at gmail.com yeah. If and... you're a queer Beth and you want to date a queer Joe. Yeah. <laughs> Is that incest? No, it's not, but it's not sibling stuff. Oh, right. <laughs> it's just archetypes. Thanks for auctioning if me you off. Are, <laughs> if you are one of Joe's actual siblings, do not call. Do not call. Not. Even a cousin. No, no. I don't want to date you. <laughs> My brother Ian, though, is kind of like Beth. He does have oh. Beth. he does have sort of Beth type characteristics. Wow, he really does more than I'm thinking Wait, about. Wait, you have it. four siblings. I do. Can do? Can you? Can you little women them? Well, I'm Joe, I'm, obviously, and Ian would probably be Beth. Now that I'm thinking about it, I think Josh would be. Well, Toby might be Beth. Who? Maybe not. No, maybe no, everyone's no. Beth except you. Toby would maybe be Amy. <laughs> But less horrible. Okay. Really lovely. A lovely version of Amy. Amy becomes more lovely over time. Um, And Josh would probably be Meg. If I had to pick. If you had to. If I had to pick. But really, Toby is pretty disparate from because she's a person with disabilities and she's just like sweet as lemonade pie and bubbly and friendly mm. and wonderful, you know? But so she, Amy's she, good quality. But she sort of lives in her own world. Toby does. Mm-hmm. You know? Which fine you know so the Amy's same very way like imaginative and very bubbly and and friendly yeah so, so that's some you know yeah the sort of selfish and horribleness about amy toby does not does redeem not any do of that. those qualities no. yeah but i think that josh have some has some of the characters of like you know wanting more is he the oldest no toby's the oldest oh thank you now we can get your family to listen to this podcast <laughs> or not <laughs> Um, okay, so here's something while we're talking about Meg and Joe. So Joe says to Meg while they're walking to work, mm-hmm. uh, rich rich people have about as many worries as, as poor, poor ones, ones I guess. What do you think about that? I, I have mixed feelings about it. Uh-huh. I thought that it was very sort of empathetic of Joe to see that and to think about that. I also think that it's complicated because I think that Surely, yes, rich people have worries as well as poor people. I think the the worries are just tiered. They're different. Yeah, they're different. They're very, worries. very different. They're not worries. like that your children are, are not, die of starvation. Right, are not gonna eat right. or that you know, that like you can't turn on the lights. I mean it's, Especially it's, if we think of poor ones meaning like the Hummels rather than poor people meaning the marches. Sure. Right. Right. And then there's like the Hummels versus the Lawrences. Right. You know, so or the Aunt March. You right. know, they Surely, yes. They all have worries. They have concerns. They have things going on. They have whatever. Right. The severity of how close those worries will bring them to death 
that's a big difference. Is it is certainly different. Yeah. Yeah. Then I also have another thing about Meg. I wrote a lot about Meg in this chapter. I have a quote from her. I felt sorry for them and was rather glad I hadn't any wild brothers to do wicked things and disgrace the family. Mm-hmm. This was when she was talking about mm-hmm. the story of how like which I thought her story was quite unfinished. I didn't feel like she was done telling the story before Amy cut her off and started blathering on about whatever. Mm. But she was talking about babysitting the children that she takes care of or whatever Mm -hmm. and how, like, the son came home and did something disgraceful, which was entirely vague. Presumably got a girl pregnant. Really? Wild guess. I I wasn't really sure. I was just like, oh, maybe he didn't, he could have done anything. And then they were, like, upset about it. And she says this thing about, I hadn't any wild brothers to do wicked things and disgrace the family and that's like well first of all you you do have a wild brother i don't know that he would do wicked things to disgrace the family i mean he might disgrace the family but his things probably wouldn't be wicked they would they would just be like being himself doing his thing Mm -hmm. you know i mean and and i think that joe does play the role in his family of being the one that everybody's sort of like embarrassed about or trying to rein in and like get him to fall in line for sure for sure at the same time that he's the one that's like the breadwinner in the family. Right. That's weird. Yeah. But so what were you going to, what do you think about the wild brothers that do wicked things and disgrace the family? That Meg is glad not to have any brothers, or so she thinks. Yeah, or just that, you know, the society that existed at this time was so fragile, you know? And it was really just set up and it's based on this need to like fall in line, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Everyone. Mm-hmm. And that everybody has a part to play, and that if you don't play the right part, then you're fucked. Right. You know? And you're gonna, you are, you are a disgrace, disgrace and you will be disgraced. Mm-hmm. You know? For possibly very minor transgressions. Right, yeah. yeah. Here I have another, a couple more things. So there's that scene that Marmy is telling the story, I think it was marmy telling the story about the soldier that yeah. she met the the old man who his four sons all went like, and like two of his two, sons are dead two are one dead one's a prisoner a, and one's in hospital one's in a hospital and he's going to see him before he dies and he said i'd go myself if i was any use as i ain't i give my boys and i give them free you i know i did not buy that story <laughs> no and marmy's like oh that's so admirable and i only gave one man and it's like First of all, you didn't give anyone. Right. <laughs> you you only have, like, autonomy over yourself. Let's yeah. just, like, think about that. And the fact that he's, like, treating his children as though they were chattel. Yeah. Like, come on. Like, possessions. Yeah. Yeah, it's gross. It's so gross. Yeah. It's so gross. And, yeah, I'll just give their life away because it's my place to do so. Yeah. Puke. And Marmy thinks that that is admirable. Yeah. That that is something that's acceptable. And she she even describes him as being cheerful about it, which just, like, extra grossed me out. Like, you're not even allowed to be sad. Right. Like, she's, she's like, oh, shame on me. I'm feeling sad that my husband is in a war. Right. I'm bad. I should be cheerful that my four sons are dying. Right. That's fucked up. I hate that. It's, I hated everything about it, and it made me want to puke. I also loved Joe's note when Marmy was telling the story and they were like, yeah, tell the story. And Joe goes, yeah, I love your stories as long as they're not too preachy. (laughs) (laughs) But Joe does ask for a story with a moral to it. That's true. But then he says not too preachy, which I thought was such a like, if it was... If I was staging the play of that, like, oh, you know, yeah. you really throw that, like, you throw that line away in a way, but it's also, like, a total, total dig, it, you total know? It jabs at Marmy. Not too preachy. Because that's, maybe that's Marmy's bosom enemy. Yeah. <laughs> it's being too preachy. Right. 
And then the last thing I have is where it gets um, uh, racist at the end. Oh, can I? I want to get to the racist thing at the end. Can I say one more thought yeah, about the, about the, um, <laughs> the dude who doesn't care that his sons are dead? Yes. Is this, I'm afraid to say this. Actually, no, I'm not, no, I think this, I will assert that this is an example of the ways that patriarchy hurts men. That it's just like, mm. oh, no big deal. Go die. Just like go die. Go shoot a bunch that's of people your, and die. That's in the your war. job. That's like your role your, in the patriarchy. Your role in the world is yeah to just go die. To so just die, and it's like not a big deal, and no one should even really be sad about it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Deep. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, okay. So the racist thing at the end is when they quote Uncle, Uncle Tom's, Tom's cabin. cabin. <laughs> but I think at the time. That book was viewed as this like anti-slavery thing, hmm. right? I I Wikipedia it. I was like, whoa, they quoted whoa. Uncle Tom. What's going on? Right. I have never read this book, so. nor have I. Okay, so I only have heard about it, and I don't really know too much about it. So, but I know that I know that it like has a lot of like majorly stereotyped black characters. Yep. There's like uh, the mammy nursemaid, and the like. Yep. Just like has a lot of harmful stereotypes about black people. Yeah. But I bet for Lou writing this, did not know that, <laughs> right? Was like oblivious to to the racism of those things, and that Uncle Tom's Cabin is. I, so I wikipedia it, that it was, like, sort of instrumental in changing, like, white-majority public opinion to be against slavery. Hmm. And that it was the second best-selling book of the 19th century wow. after the Bible. That's what it said on Wikipedia. That seems, a, that seems a little ridiculous to me, but that's what I read. Wow. Well, so just so it's clear, what Lou writes is yeah. when Joe, I think it's Joe, quotes Uncle Tom's Cabin, says, Tink ob your Marcy's chillin', tink ob your Marcy's. Ugh. Right? So it's very Ugh. clearly in this, like, like quote-unquote dialect. Absurd dialect. Um, and what is actually in Uncle Tom's Cabin, the actual quote from Uncle Tom's Cabin, which is um, in the annotation, yeah. says, let's think on our Marcy. What? So Joe, so and then Joe it says Marcy, this- and then and then also they changed it because then it says Chloe Chloe indig- indignantly responds Marcy's I don't see any Marcy it ain't right mm. so Joe is actually distorting the quote but Whoa. also making but also it way doing more it in offensive this, like, broad dialect. accent yeah, yeah that's like, that's gross. It's real. I was like, Whoa, thank you for adding the annotation of that. Yeah. And Chloe isn't even the one who says that. Chloe's like, no, this is bullshit. Um, Someone else right. is like, it be w- grateful. And Chloe's like, no, fuck you. Uncle Tom is the one who is about to be sold and attempts to comfort his wife and says, let's Whoa. think on our mercies. Let's- Whoa. And then Chloe says, mercies, I don't see any mercy. It ain't right. Whoa. Thank you, Chloe. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for acting like a real person. Yeah. So, yeah. Racism at the end there. Super racist. Yeah. That's problematic. Oh, I have one other note. Oh. Mr. March lost his property trying to help an unfortunate friend. Oh. Right? And then I think that that is further Lou trying to glorify mm-hmm, Bronson. Mm-hmm. And more that's just not like, what really happened to Bronson. Right. No. Bronson just didn't ever do anything. <laughs> I, mean, he, I mean, he did sure. like philosophical but he didn't blah 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 he but he didn't, didn't earn money he didn't do it. anything to earn money right which is like i mean good for bronson maybe for not getting caught up in that patriarchal responsibility yeah um 
<laughs> he didn't go off to war either, so yeah, he didn't go to the war either. Oh, I do have a. Uh, I underlined something from the annotation from that. Oh, please. So it says um, it's talking about Pilgrim's Progress. Obviously, the take up the packs thing, and mm-hmm. there's two parts to Pilgrim's Progress. So it's about the second part with the wife and the children who do oh, the same journey yeah. as the father. Mm-hmm. Um, so then the annotation oh, I, I underlined was. Um, as in Christina, that's the wife in Pilgrim's Progress, and Mercy's journey in, t- in part two of Pilgrim's Progress, the March sisters must undertake the young woman's journey without their father, emphasizing that female burdens in the 19th century are different from male burdens. Ooh. Like Christina, Marmy will guide the children. Whoa. Which I think is like, you know, Marmy was guiding the children, I think, even when father is there. Right, 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 right. She's the guidepost, Mm -hmm. which I can certainly speak to. That's like the reality of, I think, a lot of families, Mm -hmm. certainly my family, that my mother was always the epicenter Mm -hmm. and continues to be the epicenter. And not just... Marmy probably would have been the guidepost even for any male children. I mean, for Joe oh, and for other for boys sure. that she knew were boys. Yeah, for sure. Not yeah. just because of gender. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Great. Well, so queer. Good. Would we you? Do you think we queered it? We queered the shit out of chapter five. All right. Four. Way to go, chapter four. <laughs>